Hey, hello everybody. Welcome back to the Fitzall Podcast. In this episode, Eric, Andrew, and I discuss the type of tools we look for on a pick, the different brands that we pay attention to, the ones we pay no attention to. We rambled on for quite a bit, so we broke this into two episodes. Please listen to both episodes. They'll both be released today. Also, good news, we are on the iTunes platform, so go over to iTunes, leave us a review, give us a rating. If you enjoy it, let everybody know. Thank you, and please enjoy these two episodes of the Fitzall Podcast. That's it. I'm on. I'm on. Eric. I'm on. All right. Let's see if we don't get any. All right. So we're, we're, here we are at the second episode. We just spent several days, each one of us trying to get our audio video sorted out. Just be honest, Jimmy. It, well, it was, it was Eric and then it was me. No, sorry. It was Andrew and then it was me. It no, was, it was primarily me. It was uh, you, but that's okay. I, I feel terrible, actually, right now. If y'all wanted to shoot me, I would be okay with it because... No, 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 no. Listen, I, I, I don't mind because, like I said, I said to Eric when you were away trying to figure out what your computer to turn on, <laughs> that we have a good idea, but where, where the rubber meets the road is the follow-through. And we're following through. It's 2019. It's the first day of 2019, and we're following through. And the first episode was really difficult to get going, to get it up. I mean, I didn't know I could <laughs> because hit... of me. No, honestly, I was kind of leaning on the on the uh, I was leaning on the uh, anchor guys, which I shouldn't have. It's totally my fault. I thought they were going to be like, okay, you can go put it up now. And they, I said, what, what what's next? They go join the app and put it up. Like, what are you waiting Just for? Just do it. <laughs> Just do it. So when they they oh told, you you were thinking they would do it for you. I. It was my my misunderstanding. So it, oh, was, okay. it was a little of all of us being follow but it through got is the up. hardest part. Follow people, through. People uh, have been responded very well to it. I think. No, it seems like everybody really likes it, and yeah. uh, you know we'll. Uh, I, I hate I hate it. <laughs> no, honestly, it's been no. It's, it's great. been good. It's you can hate fun. it as long as you still join it yeah. and do it. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's been good. The Instagram is up, and that should probably be the first thing we should tell people is that there is an Instagram uh, at Fitzall underscore podcast that will contain all of the tools or any other type of information that we can't you know, readily display in an audio-only format. So if you want to head over there to follow along, then you can. It's the at sign in F-I-T-Z-A-L-L, Fitzall, which is actually uh, the... It's actually Z. It's actually Z. Okay. Oh, is, what are you doing? Like the um, get your Z's out of here. But no, for real, it is. Go ahead, tell everybody what it is. That's what it is. It's the at sign. <laughs> <laughs> at F I T Z or Z, depending on what country you're from. Uh, a L L underscore podcast on Instagram. I have a Perfecto. friend's dog Perfecto. saying with me. Muchas Can you gracias. Todos personas aquí. Chequear la radio podcast. It fits all. <laughs> well said. Goal. I don't know why my friend's dog is barking. I apologize. If it continues, I might have to go over there. And Are you at your friend's friend. house? No, I'm at my house, but we have friends staying with us, and their dog is here, and the dog just started barking for the first time in, in three days when we hit record. Because that's, that's just okay. the way. That's just like this, this podcast just attracts difficulties for the moment. But we're going to see through that. We're going to work our way through it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> oh, boy, did I have some technical difficulties this morning. How many computers do you have in front of you? Tell the audience. Three. And which, which one's working? The one on the left. Is that the, that's the one you're talking on? Yeah, it's because Arturo got it working, not me. 
Right. I put my, I have one of those sweaters on that you, you know, you can like has a marsupial pouch in the front, you know? Yeah. So I like locked my hands together in there and re- refused to take them out until he got it hooked up because <laughs> I knew if I touched any buttons, it would ruin it. But that's funny. That's, uh, but here we are. Um, I'm kind of I'm hoping the dog will stop barking. All right. Talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to go shut the dog down. We'll keep recording. I'm not going to we're not going to stop. So we're talk. just we're just going we're just going to hear a gunshot. <laughs> I'll be right back. Talk amongst yourselves. Guys, I'll be right back. What? Surely um is Taylor not home? No, I they must have left. I'll, I'll explain. Taylor and Ramy left. Uh-huh. Oh. Okay. See you later. Have fun mosh pitting. Yes. So, so welcome to the Killing Dogs podcast, where we will. Oh, what was that? Did you hear uh, that? Yeah, I did. Was was that a round cycling in the weapon, or was that a door slamming with the dog's head why, in? Why? Why not both? It could have been both. Yeah, it could have been both. That's interesting. Reminds yeah, me of the time when Jimmy said, oh, I take Skippy out when he's laying on my chest in my underwear in the backyard and go let him do his business. I know I'm going to get attacked, so I take a three-ounce framing hammer with me. <laughs> do you remember that? <laughs> what What is more interesting is that he's, like, I just, it seems weird that he'd be attacked in that short amount of time. I just want to know, are you wearing boxers or briefs during that time, Jimmy? <laughs> <laughs> Like the framing hammer is interesting against like a gun. And a three ounce framing hammer would do zero damage. It would more just, of just piss just, someone off than it would hurt them. I got a nice soft dead blow. Framing two ounce dead blow. <laughs> two ounce. Nothing so going on. We're really gonna put a hard whack down on this product here with our two ounce dead blow hammer. Ugh. Instead of having shot pain inside of it, it has cotton balls. I just want to know if he's been attacked so many times that he feels the need to always yeah. carry no, around the hammer. His, that was his, um, like, uh, what do you call it? Like, good gosh, I think he's killing something for sure. <laughs> no, that's his, uh, like, prepper uh, doomsday thing is his framing hammer. He just always has it on him. Yeah. It's yeah. like... It's like me and cheese. There's no chance that that dog is still living at this moment. Especially not with the smirk that's on his face. The grin. The dog is dead. The grin. Oh, my God. No way around it. This has never happened. This dog is, Bear is is not barking. It was Luna, the other dog. But Bear went in the cupboard and pulled out a thing of baking flour. It looks like a bomb went off in the kitchen. He ripped oh, open nice. a thing of baking flour. He's covered with baking flour. The floor is covered with baking flour. And the other dog is just sitting there barking. And it looks like he just did like 10 pounds of Coke. His whole face is all covered with baking flour. <laughs> nice. Okay, nice. go back and get a picture of it. Oh, I, 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 did, I left it. I will. I will. To put <laughs> yeah, on the Instagram. Your friends should clean that up. Oh, my no, God. you should just well, crank the stove. So add, add water and crank the stove. You can make tortillas. Get Get the floor going on a bread situation. Eric's been in my kitchen. There's, there's like these black cabinets, and one of them was open, and Bear snuck his nose in there and grabbed the, what is that, a one-pound bag of flour? It's torn open and scattered across the floor. Wait, are you asking nice. us what, what the weight of the flour bag is? <laughs> no, like that one bag, like, like that bag you buy in the store for like whatever. You know. is, yeah. it a, is it a convenience store or is it a shopping grocery store? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what are we going to talk about today? Well, what, today we're going to talk about... What did you all talk about when I walked away? Did you talk about me? About... No, we uh, talked about... Nothing, about, no. Don't worry Some about of it. the questions were like, 
boxers or briefs when you take uh, Spike Skippy out after he's on your chest and you have the three ounce ball peen hammer with claws on it in the yard, you know, to take him out in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, we pretty much dogged on you the most of the time. Right on. Chippy, yeah, by the way, is that a trainer? Chippy. Why? Chippy. He's so little. What do you train that thing to do? He is, uh, when he comes back, he's with a trainer who happens to be a YouTube trainer. So you, we could link. Oh, trains YouTubers? No, he train, he's on YouTube who trains dogs. His name is uh, Peter like Kane. Caesar Milan. And uh, no, not Caesar. He's, Caesar. He doesn't like Caesar Milan. His I love to say Caesar's name. The, you know, the, the dog training community is very, very, very uppity. Uh, I guarantee you, it's very uppity. Oh my God, they fight with each other quite a bit. They're all like yelling at each other in the comment section. Anyway, Peter has really. They're they're all horse tripping. trainer rejects. Ah, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. I always pick on Taylor because she's in the horse business. And, oh, and that's not a snotty world. Oh my God, when you deal with a horse trainer woman. <laughs> You better just keep your mouth shut. Yeah. There's a lot I can say about that, but I can't say it here. But I always tell Taylor, I'm like, you can't, you can't talk to a horse trainer because they're like, I can deal with a 10,000-pound animal. There's nothing you could tell me that I already haven't been through or that I could learn from you. So the minute you like start chatting with somebody that's a horse trainer, it's oh, just okay. like, basically, I'm, we're going to get in trouble. I'll just keep my mouth shut. I would just be like, your eyebrows are weird. I yeah. love horses.com. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm not going to go there. Yeah. All right. So we were going to talk about today, we're going to talk about what makes us decide to to pick something or to leave it. What there have been very times, there's been various times, for instance, with my dad, my dad thinks just because it's old, it's, it's desirable. So I'll go to my dad. I'll be like, I got you this great sauce. I'll go to his house that he either got from a garbage or from a friend or a neighbor. And it's something from the eighties. And I'm like, I don't. He's like, you don't want this. This is old. I'm like, no, I don't want it. It's stamped metal. It's cheap. It's not even desirable. There's nothing about it that I want. And he's always like miffed. He's like, why? I, this is old. This is. He doesn't understand like what's a good pick. So I'm right. just opening up the topic between the three of us. I mean, I know personally, it seems like we all like things that are sort of turn of the century. But are there newer things like 50s, 60s, 70s things that we might grab just because they're novel? In, as far as band, so lately, and it's been the bandsaw week, by the way. We can touch on that as well. Everybody I, seems I, to be I, collecting bandsaws this week. I, well, the old bandsaws. Yeah, old so, ones. So with me, like when I go on a pick, which I is my most favorite thing in the world to do, there's there's three main categories that I strive for. The first thing is when you're when you're at the pick, you see an item, you must love it. You must have a passionate love for this thing. Right. The second thing is it must be old. The third thing for me is it must be functional. Right. Right. I don't want to buy something that's broken. Right. I don't want to buy something that's, you know, a, a total mess. Missing a lot of the parts. Yeah. It's, so it's got to be functional. It's got to be something I can use. So you got to love it. It's got to be old. It's got to be functional. Right. That's, that, those are the three criteria for me. Yeah, that's good. That's funny because I'm looking at you yesterday. I'll, I'll go back in time so people following along with my Instagram know that I just made these posters in the last couple of days with my buddy just the night before New Year's Eve. And we're hand rubbing them with a roller. And then I realized I need a, a Gutenberg press. A Gutenberg press, as far as printing goes, is the, is the original style printing press that was invented by Gutenberg, where it's basically like a big flat vice or a book press where there's like a screw that pushes down a big flat plate. And Eric, you're incredible because I mentioned it to you. If you see one in your travels, within five minutes, you sent me like four links around the United States of various ones. No, Eric didn't. I did. Uh, Andrew, Andrew. <laughs> I'm going to keep Eric was, 
I gotta Eric keep don't, mixing. Yeah, you don't guys give up. him credit for that. Andrew yeah. did that. I'm sorry. I, I'm like I had diarrhea. I was missing in action. <laughs> oh, you were you were tumbling wrenches. Oh, yep. Never ends. So, I ended up picking one a Gutenberg style press that that is in Niagara Falls. So it's about six hours from me. And I've been talking to the guy, and it's a it's a it's a press made in the 1860s, 1840s, and it's in a junkyard. And the picture he showed me up till now, he's only been able to show me one picture. It's missing one of the main components. But because yeah, but the, it's the, such the, a rare piece, it looks like something I would have to grab and then make that make that component. Go ahead. Right. The, I was going to say, if y'all could see the the picture of this thing, it's it's beautiful, beautiful, beautifully shaped, very ornate. It's got like I don't know how to explain it exactly, but it's got, you know, the really beautiful acorn nuts that hold the, it's an H-frame press. Yeah, yep, it's an H-frame right. press. And the it's top a, has got this beautiful ornate arch. With the one in the junkyard, it's completely rusted. I happened to find the same one online, so I found a matching picture. Which if oh, we, you did? If we overlay it, you could tell it's the same exact one, or at least the same exact shaped one. I, he, the guy said the right. one then, the, the one at the junkyard where I'm interested in, he said it's 2,500 pounds. So just uh, out of curiosity, when you say overlay, does that mean that like you took two pictures and laid them over each other? I could, I could do that. I mean, you could do that in Photoshop. You could take one picture and make it super light. Gosh, could you imagine doing that with like me trying to figure that out? Oh my God, forget it. <laughs> I mean, dude, I just kind of want to do it just to see how long it takes. Well, the, the thing do I was it. able to decipher, because the junkyard picture is really... <laughs> The junkyard picture is really cryptic. It's like a really horrible picture. And the guy said he won't be able to get me pictures until later in the week because he won't be there. But the, So there's a couple of details in the picture. I googled Gutenberg-style press, and I started sliding through pictures. And I found one that was close to it. And then that's a Washington hand press made by Richard or, or Andrew Rowe in the 1800s. And so the Rowe Company is in London and in New York. And the guy said, oh, it's made in England. At least that's what it said in the description on Instagram on on Craigslist. And so he started texting me. I emailed him and he texted me back. And we started texting back and forth. And I showed him this picture that I happened to find, which was the one that happened to be in the same position. You could see the same details. And I said, is this it? He said, that's exactly it. That's exactly that. And in the picture that I found online, you could see the details. It says the company name, the patent date. It says the where it was made, London and England. And he said it was the old printing press used for Niagara Falls newspaper. That, that's that in itself is pretty cool. Even if it's missing a part, it's got a good story. It's worth getting, yeah, because of the story. I mean, I mean, surely you can make the part or have it cast or yeah. you know get it functioning again. Yeah. So that kind of plays into a little bit of the you know it must be functional uh, aspect of my desire when I'm out picking. In this situation, it is functional. Right. Or at least you can make it functional. Right. It's not it's right. not so, missing a main component, which would be impossible to find again. Right. It's not like the whole entire thing is gone and you have one arm right. of the A-frame. Yeah. And then yeah. for me personally, what I'm doing is I want to try and get it make it workable. So I'm going to try and get it back. I'm not – I don't – I look at things – I kind of gave up. And Eric, you can chime in here. I gave up on trying to make things super perfect. I just want them to work. So when it comes yeah. to these printing presses, I was all gung-ho for the very first one I got. I was ripping it apart. I was going to soak every piece. And then once it started moving, I gave up on trying to make it perfect. As long as it worked, yeah. I was happy. So yeah, the that's how I am now. Aren't, aren't really related to the function, right? Uh, Especially this tools. old cast iron stuff. Yeah, so you, exactly. You gotta kind of make a decision in life. Like, do you want things to be perfect, or do you want to use them? 
Right. 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 Because when you start using them, they're not going to be perfect anyways. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that happens a lot even with my restorations. The first time I go to use it after it's fully restored and now it's used and it's damaged in some area or something. Right. You know, or I'm cutting wood with a restored chainsaw. Now there's sawdust in the whole thing. Yeah. And uh, now it's going to start doing its old rusty process again. Right. It's when not. It's wet, just the, oily the wood way it is all over it. Yeah. So it, it's weird. I would tell you one thing I, I you get, should never cut with the chainsaw is a barrel of oh, evaporust. Yeah. yeah, I heard about that. A barrel yeah, of my, uh, oh, evaporust. You cut the top off with that? <laughs> yeah, it made my chainsaw so sticky. Like yeah, someone had uh, gone to 7-Eleven and got a Slurpee and just poured it all over the top of it. Yeah, it's uh, as it dries, it gets a, a very like sticky film. Yeah, you can just use water and hot water to rub it off or whatever. I'm just but water's not the best for a chainsaw. Yeah, yeah, just don't. I don't do think it. it'll hurt it, will it? No. Do you think it'll I, dissolve with WD WD forty? Yeah. Well, WD forty being a cleaner, yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. And I guess for me, in terms of what I'm looking for, it's totally different because I have to go from um, the angle of one is it warm enough for me to go outside? <laughs> yes. Also, it's not negative forty. Um, there's kind of two angles. If you didn't have a YouTube channel and you were just trying to find tools it, to restore for yourself or to flip, um, the number one thing would be to have something that's complete. Right. Uh, the, the condition is always the case for every single collectible anything ever, but to have to have it fully complete makes your life easy to the point that it's literally just cleaning what's there and putting it back together and right. and now it's functioning and you're you don't have to do anything else because in most cases just to have one piece cast is probably the majority of the cost of the entire tool but i'll so tell you what say that you're lazy sometimes no. you could sometimes you could find that part on ebay a lot like for instance yeah, like yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. there are a lot of printing press nerds out there that get machines that are missing the flywheel or have a broken they part them out foot of heart. and they part them out so there are a yeah. lot of tools you 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 wouldn't. I have a great the very first drill I ever bought. It's a Milwaukee. It's got a half inch chuck. It's one of those drills that'll break your wrist. It's that strong. It's like a Milwaukee hole shooter, but it's got <laughs> right. variable speed on it, and it's got the twist lock thing that will plug in and turn. My buddy used to work at a plumbing supply house, and he stole it brand new and sold it to me for like fifty bucks. It's oh a, no! But it's, you didn't find that out until yesterday. No, no, no! I knew he stole. So you're good. Oh, you (laughs) did. We're talking 35 years ago, and I still when it was okay to steal. (laughs) And I still have it. And the something inside is clanking around. It doesn't work anymore, and I haven't had the time to take it apart. But if there's one piece in there, considering it's a 35 year old Milwaukee drill, chances are I could probably find that part online or find a parted version of it on eBay. Yeah, yeah. I've done that before, and and had to really overpay for items because those people are parting out those items and they know that there's someone out there that has to have that one piece. Totally. And they're like, dude, it's, it's like $800. And you're like, dude, it's just this, like I could go buy another unit, like the whole another drill (laughs) for 700. Yeah. But yeah, they don't care. I love the one I have and I need this one piece. Yes. I'll pay you your 800, but if I ever see you in person, I'm going to strangle you. You're going to get waterboarded. That's the risk. There, there are entire eBay, uh, careers pretty much made on parting out tools. Yep, really. And a lot of a lot of the antique dealers are switching to that. Um, just parting out stuff instead of selling. Just, the antique. Be, because nobody wants 
you know, like a shitty $20 rusty drill, but somebody wants the, the rotor from that drill. Yeah, or they want the tag, or they want the trigger, the stuff that always breaks yeah. or is always damaged. Uh, it's it's a totally different situation. It works well for me when I'm looking for tools because I want the stuff that's broken. I want the stuff that's not working. So you can fix uh, it. Because I can make it. You know, like this um, this giant two-man McCullough chainsaw, the, the mufflers on all of them, like, ever are all damaged because... They rot out. Um, it, it basically would sit on the ground and it would tilt left or right, kind of like a three-wheal... ATV, yeah, oh, and, and just it would bend it all up, and it would just put all of the weight on the muffler. So, when I found uh, two different people who had mufflers, they're like three hundred bucks for the. So muffler. you just have to do it. So no, at that point, I can make it for cheaper I than three bucks. So you're gonna sure. make it out of sheet metal? Have you shown any of this just, yet? I haven't paid attention. Just, no, I haven't shown any of this yet. Oh, um, this will be a video for next year, or I guess this year. But uh, soon-ish, in January, February, I'll get to it. But, yeah, I'm just going to have to make a muffler. You're going to make it out of, because, like, 16-gauge steel? Like, just generally? Um, we might turn – it's a round muffler, so we could probably turn the main body. Oh, and then put caps and on then, And then put a cap of – it's almost just, like, perforated steel. It just has nice circular holes. Mm -hmm. It's very simple. Yeah. And then it, sh it should work fine, I, I would hope. The main – the back of the body <laughs> – the, th the stuff that curves into the actual uh, cylinder is all okay, so that I can reuse that. So that that makes it much easier. Right, right. So you can part it, use parts of it. Yeah, but a lot of these, uh, this thing's missing so many parts. I'm still waiting for tons of parts. I took it apart at the end of October. I remember. Yeah, you still you keep you just and, said I'm going to put it aside for now and get back to it. But yeah, you've been able to it, find pretty much everything. Uh, I can. I got to find like the the plastic rubber handles. Um, oh. The hardest thing to find was the illustrated parts list that shows me, like the blown up image of all the parts. Yeah, thank that God for you finding uh, a really easy tool to restore. That's yeah, good. I know. Thank God I chose the the least information available tool. Like this, existed. this company never had any printed literature, never had parts aftermarket, nothing. It's just they sold one thing, went out of business, and it's like <laughs> they, so okay. they sold one to this guy. Yeah. Well, you guys want to yeah. hear something funny? Talk about. Talk about uh, we're getting out in the weeds here, but this is fine. Talk about having a tool that has absolutely no legacy. I have this lathe, and I wish I could remember the name of it. It's a guy's name. It's the only thing that's on it. There's no plate. There's nothing. There's a name cast into the main frame of the ways. And I asked the internet, anybody know who this is? Instagram. And one guy came back with that guy's name from the town where it was made on Ancestry.com. That's it. That guy's name. And there's no company name. I I I. Maybe I did a poor search, but I couldn't find it on old tools. You know, you old still have that tool. late? I do. Yeah, I we'll put it in the we'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the uh, Instagram. I remember that. Yeah. You saw it, right? I mean, was it here when you came? Um, I remember seeing it somewhere. I don't yeah, know where it was, it was in, online or not. I showed it in the vlog where I got it a few months ago. I got it during the summer, and then also when I did right. recently, I did this this video where I made sawhorses, and I stood it on top of the sawhorses with my chain hoist, so just so people wouldn't start whining about the sawhorses being saw, limpy. Shower horses? What is it? Yeah. Shower horses? Saw? Saw? Shower hey, horses? Hold on. Let me let me go. You sharded it or what? With saw, an L? Saw horses? Saw horses? Does that sound? You understand that? Saw. 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 Saw horses. It's with an L. Oh, saw. It's an L. Well, go far and get me them saw horses, will you now? Saw. Yeah, exactly. Sour horses. Saw. Saw. 
That's it. Okay. This is like the handy wrench. I mean, come on. Saw horses. Yeah. It's so a saw. You might saw, uh, say it again. How do you say it in Texas? Saw horse. Saw horse. Like you saw a horse. You saw a horse. Sarge. Saw. Sir. Sir. Shit your pie hole, boy. <laughs> so that was in that recent video. So maybe you saw that. You don't have a yes. YouTube channel, right? You have a YouTube channel? <laughs> Dude, I don't watch YouTube. I mean, there's a whole thing. You got to log on to it and all this stuff. I don't know how to do all that. By the way, you sent a great video this morning. That was sent to me by a gentleman uh, who runs uh, the North Texas Blacksmithing Association named Will Frey this morning. Sent me that as a, like a uh, welcome to 2019. Yeah. Uh, Smarter video. Every Day I by Dustin. Smarter Every Day did a video about a hexagonal spiral down a cannon barrel and also a gun and how that was made and it was made by the guy who invented precision more or less or, or invented the the necessity for pre precision <laughs> what is going on there something got down my pants um but he he really covered a lot of cool things in that video. oh yeah we should put a link to the video in our Absolutely. podcast yeah. the, show notes. You'll, the, the show notes are your your responsibility right andrew you're gonna do the show notes and upload them you know what's yeah. funny is uh, I saw y'all talking. I saw y'all talking back and forth about like the admin aspect of this podcast, and I'm like, I hope they don't ask me anything. <laughs> I, I hope they don't ask me to be an admin or or participate in admitting duties. Or you are you are like the version of me in my podcast with Bob and Dave. I do a podcast called Making It with like, Bob and Dave. Like the goofy, oh, retarded one. Between us three, I have to. Well, because I initiated this, so I, I try to to be the guy, and it's it's like I said, follow through is really the most important thing of any success. Man, I, I I have a huge smile on my face right now, and I feel bad. Again, like I said earlier, I do feel bad because I'm so technologically challenged. Yeah, that's and okay. it's just part of it. Like, dude, it, I, I wasn't lying when I said that after this Skype session, I'm literally gonna leave Skype on on this computer until <laughs> we record week. the next podcast. Like, just leave it on. I don't care if it's a week from now. That way I can just sit back down, and then we can just get started again. Hopefully you don't have a power outage. Okay, so I'm going to have to have a generator switch that <laughs> generator. The generator instantly. Yeah, I'll, I'll figure all that out. Don't worry. I can figure that part out very easily, but this little computer situation for me is like, wow, too advanced. Yeah. So Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Uh, yeah, so, you know, it, oh, someone's at my door. Some, that's that's somebody at my shop. Sorry, let me yeah, it's the off. police coming to get the coke dog. Oh my god! It's going so, to take your three ounce hammer. Yeah. Hey, let me. Uh, so, Eric, I want to make sure I'm saying the right name when I'm looking. Yes. at Eric Kendra. Yes, Jimmy. What would you pass on? Like, what what era? What year? And is there something from like the '90s or the '80s that you would? Is there anything on your I want list from the '80s or the '90s or the late '70s? Uh. Andrew, same question for you. Yes. Yeah, so I, I, there's also above, so let's say above my love for really old tools are just my love for like weird, weird kind of unique, you know, like why, why did you make this tool? Yeah. Um, so those span all of time. Right. And, and there are some, I even have one, I'll, I'll get to it, but, um, there's this weird Latvian chainsaw, right? That you hold, you hold it like a tiller, but the blade is down where your feet are, so it's almost shaped like an L. 
Right. That makes sense. Um, and that's from, like, I think the late 70s or the 80s. Is that so you don't have to bend uh, over and you can cut the base? So you free? don't have to bend over. It's, it's more so that when when you do get kicked back, it goes directly into your body instead of just your face. <laughs> uh, you know, that's the real key to that one. It's the, the penetrator. Yeah. So, like, that kind of stuff is neat. But in terms of... In terms of other stuff, you know, like a DeWalt bandsaw from 1998 is pretty much the same as it was. Um, well, Delta, Delta, or is it's a, pretty the, much the Delta, or Delta, Delta band. yeah. yeah, those bandsaws. Yeah. The one we fixed up together, the one we fixed up was from the 40s. But then, if you take one from the 80s, it's basically the same it's construction, almost, almost the same. It's almost the same, other than like the frame design and yeah. some other. But as far as quality goes, today. it's good. It's probably close. And now Grizzly, for that particular style, Grizzly and, and Jet and all these other companies knocked it off, and it, you get them, and they just don't feel the same. Something yeah, that's because they're junk. Yeah. <laughs> but well, they're it, all, like, the same. You can tell, at least from a Canadian perspective, like, we have um, Canadian company, like, King Canada. I don't know how many tools yeah. you know from King Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are literally the exact same items as the Grizzlies or like the general. Yeah, they seem to all come from the same factory. It's the same. It has to be the same. Fa- and we have the same even with. Um, so if you have your Harbor Freight and we have uh, Princess Auto. Yeah. Which is pretty much exactly the same thing. Although I would say it's better deal with it. But anyways. Why would you go um, to either place? It's good for stupid crap that was would be the same price. Consumables. Yeah, it was consumable the same shit that be the same price but higher somewhere else. Yeah, but when you walk in that place, you I feel like you get like like a chemical rubber poisoning smell. Oh, hundred yeah. oh, percent. Overwhelms 100%. your body. Like it's worse than having someone sitting next to you smoking a cigarette. Yeah, yeah. It's like what are they actually putting in the air here? Because yeah. it's it's awful. It's oh. uh, it's it's Chineseium. Yeah, that's, oh. that's pretty bad for you. I'll tell you All one thing I bought. One thing I bought, which I, I I I have it. It was three hundred bucks. It was consumed in the price of the job, so it wasn't any out of pocket. I, mean, I got paid a considerable amount of money for this one job I did, and I needed. Don't tell people all your secrets. I needed a brake press. <laughs> I needed a, a like a press brake, and so I went and I bought that press brake chopper thing that they sell. It weighs about seven hundred and fifty pounds, and it's three hundred bucks, and it's got it's got rollers at the top. It comes down so it press breaks and then it also cuts at the same time. So it has three things going on for three hundred bucks, and for the size of the job that I was doing, it was perfect. But it only made me want a better one. So that sits on the corner of the shop. One day I'll give it to somebody if they want it, but not until I get a better one. I want a roller. I want a slip roller that's just dedicated. I want a chopper that's dedicated, and I want a press brake that's dedicated. But in the meantime, every once in a really long while, I'll be like. I need that to slip roll this, or I need that. I did I have know to the make tool the you're talking yeah. About. I had to make the bearings on the slip roller over because they just crushed. They make a slip roller that takes thousands of pounds of pressure, and they put zinc casted bearings in there. Oh well, go surprise. Makes no sense whatsoever. Interesting. They're just cutting costs. You know what's funny that that one particular unit you're talking about, I've had the same one, but as as uh, the manufacturer Dake. B-A-K-E. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's, it's literally the same machine, I think. And it's like $1,800 versus three. You know, is like, Dakes any better? The sticker. I'm sure that it's 
got better bearings, like you're saying. I'm yeah. sure there's things that are better, but uh, the, the thumb screws. You go to use the thumb screw, you feel like you're going to cut your thumbprint off because the thumb screw is sharp. It has like oh, that like toggle thumb screw that flips. Yeah, it's got it's that the sharp sharpest. Nerve. No, it's yeah. it's got like a little like a dog ear that flips from one side of the screw to the other, and it's got like a, a little drift pin. So the drift pin keeps the dog ear flipping back and forth. So you need to flip it to the oh, side. God. You need the pressure, and then it just bends. It stops, and then the dog ear just bends around the screw head. I think it just oh, it doubles as a, like a thing that that uh, gets a blood sample from you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how they get their money's worth out of the. But that does bring a, an interesting point, I guess, that a lot of uh, a lot of people, they, I guess, romanticize older tools, mm-hmm. um, sort of always saying that they're better than newer tools, let's say. But that's not necessarily the case. Like, there were companies making shitty tools since day one. Right. Uh, it's just the price point that... Um, the customer wanted at the time i remember Uh, we we get worse with you know more and more plastics but at the end of the day that plastics that plastic's probably going to outlast that iron if they're both in the ground yeah okay but i think we're more intrigued by the iron i think we're more intrigued by the the design of of yes tools from yesterday you know like i i think i've said before like I, i can't imagine like in 20 years, my kids sitting around a campfire going, dude, did you see like this really cool portable bandsaw that I've got? It's so yeah. vintage. It's so killer. Yes. They're going to be look at the size of the battery on it. I mean, they're gonna, <laughs> like, I just can't imagine them saying that. Like, dude, this is the greatest plastic polymer combination that they <laughs> ever thought up. Yeah. That's yeah. what I want to do for April fools. I want to just do like an old nineties super soaker restoration. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> that's that's great. Fun. Best water gun of all time. Yeah, that's yeah. Great. So like, I have some tools. Uh, even the ones I restored, like the the power hacksaw, like that was from the forties or whatever, and it's horrible. <laughs> Which one is it? It's a uh, LKS something. I don't know. It's right there behind me. You can kind of see it. It's blue. No one else can see it. Yeah. Um, it was made in it was made in manitoba yeah it was one of those things where you don't realize how poor it is until you've had it all apart and oh i I have a miller's fall miller's fall uh from it's got it yeah it's got to be from the 1930s and i tell you what it's not nearly as good as the one i just got which i don't know the name of i used it in my hacksaw video i used in my lock video i recently yeah i got it on thanksgiving from my, my buddy joe so the Miller's Fall I have is really old. You know, it qualifies as far as vintage and romance as far as old, but it's it's just kind of wimpy. Yeah, and that's something else you can put in the list of things that you look for when you're going for old tools. If you're a collector, it doesn't really matter in terms of the functionality, but right. if you want to buy an old tool so that you can at least get it running so it does its job, you would want to have one that has, you know, like the the proper adjustments to make the cut nice and square or, or whatever it is you're working on uh, for that specific tool. It's, it's just always nicer to have, you know, like higher quality materials, like maybe bronze or bushings or whatever, some type of bearing, blah, blah, blah. But that kind of stuff is something you could also look for when you're looking for something cheaper 
than you know the modern versions but still functional are there any brands you guys would just like immediately see the brand and be like forget it i'm having no interest whatsoever hmm. i i stay away from anything that's not made in the usa I, i'm a big I, i'm a big advocate for anything made in the usa yeah and then with or each of these companies in canada or can yeah what like the Canadian giant is a wonderful, wonderful power hammer. And let's oh, talk exquisite. about that. We just watched him restore one, and exquisite. I was just blown away about how amazing this thing was. Yeah. The holes, the holes in the casting were just amazing. Oh, yeah, the random unnecessary holes. Yeah, they're just I mean, grease holes, guys. Extra so grease. Yeah, the Canadian uh, tool market is uh, awesome. Which, what about European? Like, if you saw European style, like for instance, this 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 printing bed I might get, this this uh, hoe printing bed I might get, is made how could, how could potentially be made in London or, or oh, New York? Oh how oh how would you say? Oh, London is off limits because London's not America. No, I, I no, I personally like made in the USA stuff. Right. Personally, right. So, uh, but yeah, the, the stuff made in Europe. I mean, the stuff made germany i mean there's some really top quality tools made all around the world right it was sort right. of more but of like a standard do. in the turn of the century right more or and less. there there's good stuff coming out of china i've yeah. been told um <laughs> <laughs> such as i'm not going to dive any further into that but <laughs> i i just like the whole made in the usa thing i, I fair uh, enough fair support enough. that i like the historical aspect of it's made in the country where you live right you know and it's right. not been mass produced overseas for uh you, like a negative four dollars and 27 cents like right. you know right i had two printing presses manufactured in new york state 125 130 years ago which is intriguing to me because there was a lot of iron casting up here and it's hard to find anything made up here you know that was really? made in new york state so i happen to find these two printing presses and 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 to me that's pretty cool yeah i think the the northeastern u.s would have had yeah like the the most amount of foundries or casting places or tool businesses going where i am in saskatoon it's not really the you know manufacturing epicenter of north america yeah much much cold. less common to find stuff. Yeah, it's stupidly cold. How cold is it right now outside your window? Um, is that a window? Or a, have is that a block of ice or is that a window? Is that a block of ice? It's it's minus nine Celsius. It's not that bad. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. Like so, when you run from your shop or or go from your shop to your house, like is it in a tunnel or you just open the door, run as fast as you can? I just I'm naked and I'm just running. Free with, the in, with the in-floor heat, you can be pretty much naked, and it's not like your feet are cold. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it's... Uh, I mean, the visual there that you're giving everybody, do you... So do you manscape? It's it's more of one of the finishing processes for my wrenches. I rub <laughs> them all over my naked body. Oh, uh, that's... You, you, get in the, you get in the tumbler? Because, this is how because you of my... On your hard well, no. body? No, because of my uh, Italian heritage, it's that oily grease from my skin that just oh, coats the I've, wrenches up to a year of rust prevention. I've, I've heard that and Jaguar semen are about the same thing. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I should try that next yeah. time. Just don't get the leopard. Get the Jaguar. The Jaguar. Jaguar. Jaguar semen, yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. Interesting. Nice yeah, cook. Right on the, That's the secret sauce. But no, I don't. I just walk 
like a normal person. So I learned that when uh, these guys were talking about vices. They were like, okay, so I rub mine with BLO. So a long time ago, I was like typed in the computer like, oh. excuse me, um, I have a question. What is BLO? Boiled linseed oil. <laughs> yeah. And they wrote back, like, dude, you're so dumb. It's boiled linseed oil. And yeah. I'm like, oh, yes, I'm the dumb guy. Thank you. I uh, use Jaguar uh, semen for my vices. <laughs> it's cocaine. Well, and if you bake it in the oven, it makes a nice coating. BLO uh, is basically like, and, and now I'm going to get hate mail for saying this. BLO is basically like poly, polyethylene, polyurethane. That's all it is. I mean, I'm sure it's not exactly the same, but the net result that I've ever seen on anything yes, the, is the same. The end result is kind of close, but they're different. Like uh, polyurethane. You're a BLO has, guy? Polyurethane pretty much has a bunch of boiled linseed oil in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they also have the polyurethane and then a bunch of like mineral spirits or whatever. I love uh, uh, boiled linseed oil. Now that you know what it means. I cool. don't like the smell, actually. I'm not into I do. That. It actually will clean your hands. What? Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's amazing. Like if you work with boiled linseed oil, it'll get all the jazz off your hands. Like the only time my hands ever get really clean is if I'm coating something with boiled linseed oil and I'm like look down and like – the palm of my hand's all clean, and then you turn it over, and the other side's like still black. It's like, oh, okay, I need to rub it on that side. You're, you're probably like not supposed to touch that for too long. Oh, uh, probably. I don't know. I have no idea. Now that we're on the subject, not, what is linseed oil? Is it come? What is a linseed? It's flax. A flaxseed? Is it really? Yeah, yeah where yeah. our province here produces an insane amount of it. No kidding. And they just crush it and squeeze out, and that's that. You got to boil like it, the, I guess. Just like other. It. Yes, yes. They'll add uh, some dryers, some chemical drying agents that'll make it dry quicker. Because just um, just linseed oil would take much longer to dry than boiled linseed oil. Mm. Uh, and that's and it's those dryers that you probably don't want in your hands mm. for like a long period of time. It's fine right. for two seconds. So Eric, back on topic. As far as would you be interested in craftsman stuff? Like, because craftsmen over the years, they, would, they used to make power tools. Yeah, I'm fine with that. They're owned by Stanley now, so yeah. we'll see. Which is that, not that, right. When you ask that question, that question is so much more broad. Yeah. Well, the mechanics tools it, are great. They used to be. Still even more broad than that. Yeah. Because a lot of times, craftsmen would go out and buy, let's say, like, there's Jimmy DeResta's, you know, drill. Right. Craftsmen would go out and buy your drill, have you manufacture the drill, and they right. would buy it and put their label on it. Right. That's why yeah. Yeah, they have so many varied things. I don't know what's going on with them right now. They're totally. I different think they're now. out of business now. Aren't no, they? Craftsman now is is back in back in business with uh, with Stanley Black and Decker. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully so they, they'll have a nice. Uh, yeah. You know, so the department they basically started again. So oh, in this last so year, if we talk about like the department store brands like Craftsman. Uh, Andrew's totally right because it's it's Label it's slaps. just a free for it's just a free for all in terms of what you're actually getting. You have to find the history to make sure of who made it. If you just want to talk about hand planes from right. <laughs> from uh, Craftsman, there was a period of time when um, Miller's Falls made the Craftsman planes. Oh, really? And those and those are are good planes. And then there's a, a time when they switched to Sargent. Which is another pl- a major plane manufacturer, um, and they made the planes for Craftsman for Sears, uh, and then they had a bunch of different li- different lines like Dupont and, mm-hmm. or sorry Dunlap, not Dupont, right. uh, D- Dunlap, 
uh, all that kind of stuff. And that's just one department store at the time. There were tons, like Montgomery Ward, which doesn't exist anymore. That was a huge department store. And I have one of their old catalogs from, from like the 1920s. And they literally sold everything under their name, right. even though they didn't make anything themselves. Right, right, right. So it's, it's tough. It's like the great value brand at Walmart. Right. Who really makes it. Who Eric, really do you mind to uh, adjust your thing so I can actually see you? All I see is your beard in Oh, you know what my... it is? There it is. Also, the would... uh, Skype app will crop the image, too. So he might have the full image on his computer, but your yes. app is crapping it. Cropping it. Plus, I, I'm honored you want to see more of my face. Well, the I was getting dizzy watching your beard hairs bounce I up and down. Sh- <laughs> I got to shave this, actually. It's getting ridiculous. I mean, there's no way that you could go to the airport right now. No, if Jimmy invites me, I'll have to shave. <laughs> you have to drive. You know what? That, that that opens another topic. So drill presses. There have been times where people uh, have offered me drill presses. You know, drill presses can run the gamut. You can get like a good Buffalo drill press that seems to be really cool and really like well made from whenever the '40s, and then you can get a Buffalo one that's like metal stamped and junk. And I've seen certain drill presses that like are offered that are offered to me, or I see at garage sales. I don't even give it a second glance because the the pulley housing is all stamped metal and it's like it has the one with like the little brass insert knobs which don't fit right and you know versus you know the higher end ones which you look at and you go oh wow okay like that like that big drill I got from the turn of the century I guess it's a superior yeah. Andrew you knew the cat the yeah superior is a good one yeah so that's like you know that was before that's all run on on leather belts and stuff so that's that's definitely turn of the century romance but. The ones that are more usable for the everyday shop, there's a variety of ones that are better than others. Like, for instance, I have three Walker Turners, and I love them. And they're all the exact same casting with the exact same pulley guard and, and everything like that. And I use, I've use i been using those since I was a little kid. Walker Turner stuff is really, you know, higher echelon, like really nice quality stuff for the most part. Yeah, high, heavy castings and then bare minimums. Heavy. They're not putting too many glamorous... You know, extra like if they want the base, it's got a big, nice, round foot base. If it's a tall one, it, it, it just basically gives you what you need. It's not going overboard. It's not trying to sell you on like the look of it. It does exactly what it's supposed to do. Versus yeah, I, versus some of the I new ones. Drill, Go ahead. Yeah, I use drill presses for things they're really not supposed to be used for. You're so putting lateral pressure on bearings. Yeah, like I just buy use them as buffers. Yeah, I just use the shittiest drill press possible. I'm just so disappointed with you about that. So disappointing. <laughs> like every a, time you I'll turn it on and you brand. have a brass wire wheel going on there, I just I want one to stick in your cheeks so bad. Like <laughs> you just think? No, like, they don't. They're all on the same plane. Spinning is going. Is that like, why you do it? So that the plane like is at like your your chest height. It's not at your face height. Because whenever yeah. I, whenever I'm at a wire wheel, I always just keep my face out of the orbit of the shooting. Yeah, no, I, you can. Well, I still wear glasses and all the protection, right. blah blah blah. But um, yeah, it, all the all the needles, I guess, are at chest height. It's not an issue. It's more that um, the drill press is completely underpowered, and I can stall it by pressing really hard oh, with okay. the steel. Right. So that gives me a level of basically variable speed on the go. Right. And I can take off as much patina or not as I need to 
when I'm right at the wire wheel. Whereas with like a bench grinder, it's it's not going to happen. Two thousand RPMs. Now that I have full time, and now that I have the the radial drill press, I can get like really far behind the wire wheel and get into areas I couldn't get before. Right. So I I have lots of things concerns about this. What you're saying because I'm the polar opposite. I would rather have the right, the correct wheel on my bench grinder. Right. Like, not like a wired knot wheel. I would like to have a fine brass wheel. Okay. On my on my standard bench grinder. And it have enough power to, like, remove all of the skin on your hand. But <laughs> it won't if you use it correctly. Right? Like, the yes, finer... Uh, and it's, it's harder to find the, the real fine bristled... Yes, brass so wire true. wheels. You won't yeah. get them at your Harbor Freight store. No. Uh, you'll have to order them from the onlines. And if you get the right one, it, it really works to the advantage. Yeah. Instead of like I'll tell you my experience. Your drill press and you being able to stall it out like, you know. Talk about back. talk about cr- cheap tools. For instance, now I, I use the Eastwood sells this thing, which is like a, it has a I, I bought it years ago. I, I bought it to clean the top of my table saw. It has Scotch-Brite pads. They're, they're basically like rolls of toilet paper that go on a mandrel that turn right at the surface. You ever see it's like a handheld? By the way, yes. Jimmy's moving his hands up and down like he's doing it in the air. Like Yeah, I can't. Can. So it's like a toilet paper roll you put on a mandrel that runs parallel to the surface. Yes. It's the Eastwood clean. Uh, it's the one from Eastwood, which is the car. It's a high-speed toilet paper roll. Exactly. So I... Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm redoing the bed of my 69 For those hard Chevy. Dingleberries. I'm doing the, the the bed of the 69 <laughs> Chevy. So I screw the steel slats down to the table, to the edge yeah. of the table, and I take out this thing from Eastwood. It's the perfect opportunity. They sell these like spiny, spindly things that stick out of the yeah. the hub, and I go at it, and it's not taking any of the paint off. There's three layers of paint. <laughs> It's like, bum, I'm like, bum, bum. What? this thing's supposed to do exactly this, and it's not doing it. No, it's a piece of shit. So I take out a, uh, I get a, just a, a, like a, I think it's a Makita, you know, with a, with a, with a flap lever switch, and a, with a cup, with a yeah. cup grinder on it, with a cup brush on it. And <laughs> Seven drills. I can't, I don't know what anything's called. It's the what cup. What is English? What a cup, what a cup, what a cup, what a cup grinder, what a cup grinder. It's got the what twisted, you? really heavy-duty steel wires that are twisted in bunches. And they yeah, come wire out. knot Yeah, that, that's it. And, and it's a cup one. And it's like maybe three inches. So I go at that, and that's taking too much time. I'm like, oh, my God. I got eight of these things to do. I'm going to be here till midnight. So then I'm like, let me break out the big guns. I have from Fine, F-E-I-N, Fine. I have yeah, the, the biggest, orange tool company, as I call it. The biggest grinder they make. It's Six inch? It, it, I don't know. It, I think it's an eight inch. It, the thing is like... Okay. 24 it's like as wide as my shoulders and the barrel where the motor is is like about six it doubles inches. as a floor sander and yeah. it's got, i have like an eight or a nine inch cup wheel on it that's can all ride it wire brush and i i bought it i don't know remember where i bought it but the the cup brush on it is huge it's bigger than your beard eric it's huge whoa and so nine miles I, when you turn that thing on, like if it got caught in my clothes, it would rip me naked in two seconds. Like it would, like yeah. it's that big. I thought you were naked. No, 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 no. I have clothes no, on just to me. protect the uh, twigs and berries. Right. And I get mice stuck in it. And I put it on it, and the paint just evaporated. So yeah. it took yes. me, but you know, the whole I I did it for I did all eight tracks. They're six feet, ten feet, eight feet long. How long is the bed of the truck? It's like six and a half feet long. I did all eight of them, 
in like 30 minutes down to bare metal. And yeah. I looked so back you had the right tool. Yeah. You had the right tool. You had the right deal, right so cup knotter thing, whatever you called it. I went through three things till I got to that. And so now, now <laughs> after that experience, I'm just going to grab the mother load one every time now. So this is yeah. what, this is how tool collecting becomes hoarding almost because you have to have the right tool for the job. Right. Right. There's no point in getting started if you got a tool that's going to like, like just barely get you there. Uh, so then, you know, at the end of the day or end of your you know career, you have so many friggin' tools. It's like, uh, well, don't it's, do the same thing all. being said is like with the angle grinder. How many times do you want to change the head of the angle grinder? Just buy five angle grinders and put a different head on each one. <laughs> yeah. I literally if, have if probably you're in production, yeah. 40 of them. Yeah. Sitting yeah. Around. I have one where the, car, the, the wires are cut off and Brett keeps going, what do you want to do with these? I go, I think they work. Let's just hang on to them. So one day I have the time to put a new cord on them because the cord might have got chewed up in the, you know, in the brush cup or something. Uh, but that being said, I was using the buffing wheel making the ice picks. Again, because you're going into production, you keep wanting to find something that's going to be a time saver. If you're just a hobbyist, that's one thing. But if you're making YouTube videos or if you're making money and you're making ice picks, you need time savers. So the ones from Harbor Freight keep stalling. I'm in the middle of buffing and I'm like pushing harder and harder. And then, I'm glad they stalled on you. Yeah. And then it, yeah. I, I came to you. Lesson. It did. And I asked you, I was like, hey, you have one of those big giant stand up buffers. And you yeah, sent man. me a you sent me a link to an eBay one, and I bought it. And that and that thing, that thing will rip your arms out of their sockets <laughs> if you're not careful. I like got it. Was it seven horsepower? A, pull back a nub if you're not careful. It will absolutely. Yeah, and I got a two inch by twelve inch wide buffing wheel for it, and I also got a two by twelve inch Scotch Bright for it. I haven't put yeah, the, the Scotch Bright on. Ice picks like get so scared on their way to that wheel <laughs> that they just automatically turn like perfectly shined. <laughs> You know what happens is occasionally I'm buffing and it's got no guard on it, so I'm, it, it's three phase. The thing it turns on and you know it, it, it it's quiet as as a mouse and totally it, quiet and it off. will it will yank my shirt off in an instant. So I'm just super cautious when I go near it, and the ice picks occasionally get pulled out of my hand and they just get shot into space. And, and it's it's a downdraft. <laughs> Literally, it's like a bullet. There's, are you ser- there's flying sharp ice picks in your workshop? No, occasionally they they shoot down at the ground and like skid under oh. all the junk in the middle of the room. Oh, that's so. nice. That's, it, this them. is going to be the machine that kills him one day. He's gonna <laughs> you're gonna find him laying on the shop floor with an ice pick penetrating his heart. <laughs> and he'll the be machine so will shiny. still be running. The machine will still be running. Oh my god. No, it, he'll be timing how long it takes to shut up. <laughs> like I did with the Sanders. Yeah. Look. No. You could get electric brake maybe on those. I don't know. No, you just let it spin. It's fine. You buff yeah. things on the way down. No one's there. Anyway. I do. You know how many times I turn that? I have that grizzly sander with a 20-inch disc on it. That's the one that lasts for 30 minutes when I turn it off. I'll turn it off, and instead of firing back up the amp unit, which is the three-phase converter, I'll just walk back over to it and, and just gently say what I'm doing, walk away, come back. It's still <laughs> running. I gently say what I'm doing and walk away. There's so many times where I've gone back to that. Yeah, it's, it's basically a hit-and-miss electrical sander. Yeah. Exactly. It's like working with your angle grinder. I mean, you know, you've taken the guards off that stuff, and you go over. And let's say you're at a flat disc on a piece of metal. Like, boom, you turn it off. The thing's still spinning. So what you do? You hit it on the concrete floor. You hit it on the table or whatever yeah. to keep it. You can't yep. just turn it upside down and put it on the floor because then it's gonna catch something yep. and go flying around like a frisbee. You know, it's like and that, kill somebody. That ten inch uh, fine thing I have. I gotta let the switch go and just let it wind down because if I put it down, it's gonna like get caught in the laces of my pants and yank off my pants Ooh, should be excited chippendales fiend sander i didn't film any of that and when i look back i kept like 
trying to see if I tasted it in my mouth, like if I was inhaling any of it. I'm like, hmm, it doesn't taste like anything. I guess I don't need a mask because it's throwing. Oh, that's, this, is, <laughs> this is how I taste for lead. I was like, you open your mouth, sand something, and like, like go around like a, a guppy, like in the water trying to catch the fish. Start you know? sucking like, air. Yeah, if it, if it tastes like lead, then you just go get a mask. And I, yeah, I look back the in the room. Test. I look back in the room and it looked like there was a fire. Like sometimes the wind blows and oh, the fire, God. the smoke blows through the little potbelly stove and the room fills with smoke. I look back and the whole room was filled with smoke. So I just left for an hour, came back and let the lead paint settle on all the tools. Yeah, yeah. you should be fine with the lead paint. <laughs> you know, Jimmy, there's a lead paint uh, test sample kit you can get. It's quite kind of easy. It's like testing for narcotics, you know, like the cops do, but it's for lead-based yeah. paint. 3M, 3M used to give them to me all the time. I never you like that one. You like that free stuff. So at, now still... that you would have to buy them, would you ever get them? No, I just wear a mask. See? <laughs> see? He's just like no. I'll just pull. No. I, you see what I got on? I got my Carhartt necky. You know, it covers my neck because it's cold. 3M, if you're listening, please send Jimmy some more lead-based paint sample oh, kits. Oh God, I, send they're me probably, some. They're, they're like in a box they're almost ten. There's like ten dollars a pop just for the each stick. Yeah. Oh, like that's a real expensive thing to make sure that you don't die. <laughs> well, you're not gonna die. You'll die. just become uh, much like less the Mad Hatter. Smart. You'll be way less smart than you used to be. I think maybe I have lead bait, uh, lead paint poisoning because it's ruined my technology side. I was gonna say yeah, it's, it's hit the computer sector of your brain. There's it's an explanation. Possible. There's an explanation. The unfortunate part is it's not really something that you can take away very easily. Okay, so when you're out picking, what is something that you leave behind? Me, I leave behind anything that it's stamped metal, that's kind of just rickety. Like a lot of jigsaws. Like you see jigsaws all the time at, at garage sales and flea markets. You know, like a, I, they call it now a scroll saw, but when I was a kid, it was called like a tabletop jigsaw. Like anything right. by like Dremel, I just pass it's, over. Like, you know, the Dremel jig, like Dremel's like, it's like toys. It's, okay, the it, old school. All Dremel? the smaller. Like yeah. the Dremel that was like, had the cast iron body that would electrocute yes. you. There was a loose wire in it. Those are good. There's but, the Dremel that has the motor and then has the, the line that comes out yeah. and you hold it. Dude, that yeah. thing is wicked. That's uh, from the 40s. They stopped making that in like 1949, I think. When I was younger. Junk. When I was younger, I bought one of those. I was like, dude, this is so great. I was so excited. Like, I've always wanted one of these. And I get home and I like checking it out and I turn it on and the thing is vibrating so hard I can barely hold on to it. And it's a flexible shaft, but it's like kind of like ha how a weed eater works, you know, where the yeah. weed eater has the housing, yeah. but then it has the shaft that goes to the inside. Yeah. And I realized that the thing was actually not a Dremel attachment. It was a fish scaling attachment that was completely worn out and not worth having at all. So it, like Weird. it was a fish descaler oh. instead of the Dremel, but it had the Dremel motor. Yeah. Okay. Good. Great. Thanks. Moving on. <laughs> So I pass, like, if I go to a garage sale or if I'm, like, looking at somebody's pile of junk, anything that's, like, the 70s skill. Skill was making some cool-looking stuff in the 70s where it was, like, half-cast, half-black plastic. That stuff looks cool, but it's kind of junk. They made that jigsaw that had, like, the rotating head that you could, like, go sideways right. with it. You remember that? That was, like, such a yeah. useless thing. I wish y'all could see Jimmy doing this because it's like watching somebody play a video game. Like he's just lo he loves it. He loves it's it. He's like doing the jigsaw movement. He remembers the thing that he cut, and he's like, "Oh, so what a great time that was!" And if it comes in a blow molded box, it's usually like totally not sexy. 
I need to I need to know what uh, yeah, is a blow molded box. Pretty much anything you buy now is either in like a really yeah. crummy injection molded box or a blow molded box. But if I see that it's in a tin stamp box, I immediately like okay, let me at least see what's in here, like a metal yeah. stamp box. Like skill, I have an old skill router. It's a small sort of trim router, all cast aluminum in a steel box that opens and the front flips down and it's got a selection of router bits. I'll never use it. It's just cool looking prop. I mean, I, I might have even given it away when I moved. I can't remember the last time I saw it. But something like that is cool for just because it looks good on camera. That's another thing because you guys know I do YouTube videos, right? Because I do YouTube oh, videos. Interesting. Because I do YouTube videos, sometimes I'm always looking for something that's that's got like a, a, a cool texture to it or obviously a good story is always important. But just has a right. good looking sexiness to it. But a blow molded box is like if you buy craftsman tools now or like a like cobalt, and they usually come in these boxes where the outside and the inside are molded separately, but wherever they kiss, they're like touching. They take a big snot tube of plastic and blow it into a mold and close around it. And that makes those big blow molded boxes. It almost feels like you have you're buying like fifty percent volume that you just don't need. Yeah, and then when it's cold out, you can't pull the ratchets out of those things. They usually have like kind of a natural snap in them, which are just and then a, do you keep those boxes? I throw them away. I take the tools out and I throw the boxes right away. So I've always wondered, like, why don't they just send like uh, tools in like just like a heat shrink bag or something? They because should because they should give you two options because the you're selling a large amount of volume air, which is which translates to the end user and shipping prices because you're buying cube. Cube is you're, you're paying for a cube which is a square inch of a volume it takes up when it gets manufactured, where it goes and where it gets shipped to. So, right. you know, that's why a lot of times in the old days, which they- Oh, you're talking about in a shipping container. Yeah, okay. you're paying for that. That's, you know, goes to the end price. So some of these things are manufactured overseas. You know, overseas. Andrew, Andrew doesn't buy anything overseas. But sometimes- I try not to. I have things, you know, I have things, you know, that uh, yeah. are made <laughs> in, in, the, in the Chinese place. So what things are invisible to you, Andrew and Eric, when you walk into like a big pick? Like what are things that are just immediately invisible? Like they're there, but you like have absolutely zero interest in them. For me, it's, mm. that's, it's, that's hard. I like because I am so interested. And in, if I'm somewhere where I am picking, it's most likely that I'm going to be interested in most of the things that are there. What I have to do is, is kind of disseminate what path I take, right? So when I walk in, and I'm meeting with somebody about the tools that they also love or loved or their father loved or their, you know, grandfather loved. You got to you got to really be careful about how you engage with them about them, the tools themselves. Like when I go in, I instantly have a total tool boner about everything in right. there. But you can't let them know that you have a tool boner. Right. Like it. Because if they see your tool boner, then it's just going to ruin things. So right, right. Like, Dude, I see your tool boner right now, and it's this is not right. healthy. Right. <laughs> you know? Is something wrong with it? Yeah, like, dude, your tool boner has, it kicks to the left. No. <laughs> it's like, why is there two? Yeah. It's a, do it's a double-headed tool boner. Well, so, you know, when I go in, I always engage with the, the individual that I'm uh, potentially buying from first. Like, I want to know who they are, what they're all about, what's their connection with the tool, like what's the right. uh, the deal. Because if you can't connect with the seller, then you're not going to get things bought from them. There's just no way. Right. You know, they're yeah. instantly going to be turned off. So I spend a lot of time with that. Then after that, you know, 
sometimes you have to buy things that you don't want in order to get the things that you do want. Oh, that's interesting. Hundred percent. You know, it's like a you know, it's an entry fee or an insurance policy or yeah. whatever. I guess like, I never realized that yeah. you do that as well. I never even realized that. Oh, I do it all the time. Like if you go somewhere and you're you're engaging, like I'm saying with this individual, and they're telling you about this one tool that you that they romanticize about that you couldn't give two flips about. Like you think it is <laughs> garbage. You buy that thing because they love it so much. Right. Now you're staying on the same page. Now, yeah. if if that means that you put it on your trailer and you go down the road a little bit and you kick it out in the bar ditch, that's your own call. Right. But you gotta you gotta really connect with this individual like yes. completely wholeheartedly. That's you so should, funny. Uh, I, I, you I, should I, tell them the story about the guy with the hat. Oh, the guy that I took you to. No, the guy you were telling me about with uh, oh made yes. you have lunch and oh, you could only wear. Yes. <laughs> let me just tell you this this is Good. this is uh i i'll try to use brevity here but i don't know that i can so we'll just go with it um there there was a studebaker truck in this guy's front yard in dallas where i live and a, another friend of mine told me about it and he said it's on this one street you know just go find it so i went and found it and went and knocked on the door to this guy's place and this I don't know if he's listening, actually. Let me think about this, how I should. Okay, he's a little bitty fella, you know? So he comes out, he opens the door, he's really short, and but he has this huge personality. He's the nicest guy, whatever. And I, he's got like hit and miss engines in his yard and, and huge marine engines in his yard and tools everywhere. And so, you know, he and I start a conversation. Well, uh, I told him I wanted to see his tools. I could see this huge barn behind his house like shop like i wanted to go in there and he wouldn't let me go in there he said if you want to see my tools you're gonna to have to go to lunch with me first so after like the seventh oh, time of going to lunch God. with him i finally said uh mr so-and-so can i put my I clothes to back see on your tools and he goes yes we'll go he said just follow me to my house uh and we'll go look at him so i follow him to his house and he gets out of his uh what he calls the kenmobile uh <laughs> At his worldwide headquarters, which is his house. <laughs> and he has a yellow baseball cap in his hand with a Boston Terrier embroidered on the front of it. And I get out of my truck and I'm like thinking, hmm, I wonder what that hat's all about. He goes, if you want to go see my tools, you have to wear this hat. <laughs> and at that point, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know whether I should punch this guy in the face and get out of here as fast as I can or just put the hat on. So... I'm wearing the hat. I did what anybody would do. I put the hat on, and he reached into his Kenmobile and got a his dress. yellow hat with the Boston Terrier embroidered on it and walked to the front of the door of his building and never said another word about it. <laughs> I was so freaked out about this yellow hat with the embroidery. Like I, I told my wife, I was like, I don't know if I should press charges on this guy or what, this is like totally freaking me out. She said, what you need to do is make sure you have that hat on next time you go over there. <laughs> so what happened? You went into the bar. We went in the bar and looked at the tools you, everything. I mean, and, it was just, and you it blacked was normal. out. He's never, I only have one kidney now. No, <laughs> yeah. he's never made another mention about the hat again, except if I don't have it on when I go over there, he doesn't let me see anything for real. Totally. Do you buy stuff from him? Some, I, I sometimes I get a few things from him, but like, I've never been able to 
buy like the right stuff from him because he won't sell it to me. Like this truck, you didn't buy the Studebaker. No, my gosh. Let me just tell you this quick story as an as an addition to this. I'm rebuilding that Beaudry. I need a 22 inch cast iron wheel. You asked for it. You asked the audience. I asked the audience for it, and then I called Ken. I said, Ken, do you have one of these? And he's like, Yo, yeah, I got one. Let me just uh, look tomorrow, and you know, I'll let you know. And I'm thinking, great. I know he has one because I've seen it over there. He's got like 50 of everything. So the next day, I went on a, a little pick uh, with a, a buddy of mine. And I told him, I said, listen, there's another guy here on the other side of the airport I want to go see. He's got great stuff, and he's got something that I'm, I need. I'm going to call him see if he's got it. He's, so I call him up. He said, yeah, come on over. I want to show it to you. So we go over there, crawl through his barn. Literally, you have to crawl through the. I mean, the door, front door opens, but you start crawling at that point. Right. right? And he leads us to a stack of these wheels, of these flat belt pulleys, like a stack. And I said, that's the one I need right there. And he goes, I'm going to have to get with the committee. What? See, I'm going to have to get with the committee, and I'll let you know whether or not we'll sell it or not. What committee? I said, Ken, what? The committee? Who's the committee? He's like... Yeah, I'm going to have to get with the committee. Him, his wife, and his Boston Terrier? He doesn't have a wife. But, yeah. So, <laughs> the long short is, the committee doesn't exist. He just, <laughs> like, in his head, thinking whether or not he can get rid of this one pulley or not. And he did not. Like, he would not let go. He didn't of it, let go of it? He needed it. Yeah, no, he wouldn't even let me touch the thing. Ugh. Oh, my God. So funny. Somebody can cut That's up this of- audio and make the craziest story. He, yeah. he has the coolest, nicest tools let me tell you this he goes hey i got another building that's 45 minutes from here if you want to go see some tools this is like a year and a half you have to wear this dress to get in my car no i had to go to lunch with him like 247 times first like (laughs) it was crazy and he he always wants to go to this he wants to eat at the same steakhouse every time at 10 45 a.m which is really weird for me do you have to sit on the same side as the table as him yeah and and our knees have to touch (laughs) at the 45 position it's weird, yeah. I know. Just sit go next with to it. me. It, Just sit next to me. I have to give him a little, you know, rub and tug session, whatever. I, I do picture that. <laughs> we might edit that, that out. That, <laughs> that, yeah. A little you, grip and grin. You will be that guy. <laughs> in in <laughs> 35 years. No, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make people wear a purple hat, not a yellow yeah, hat. Yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll totally do it and then not even talk to it. Okay, you must wear this dress. I'll just go stand in front of my building, and then that's it. Like, can you see everything? <laughs> you can only enter if you're dressed as Grimace for McDonald's. Yes. Like, yes. ridiculous. I've actually run into um, a guy who actually had somewhat of a committee that he had to talk to before selling anything. Well, was uh, it a, like a 501c3 or something? A no. Non-profit? No, it was basically a bunch of old collectors got together and oh. and um, pooled their stuff? Pooled their stuff for one guy to handle all of the buying and selling. Sure, sure. As they got older, they would just send him more and more stuff to sell, and then they would just send him, or he would just send them cash back. So five uh, guys so, with mental illness trying to make a decision that's probably great. Is, is the yeah, guy's yeah, name yeah. eBay by any chance? No, no. No, so it was it was really interesting going there because he would have prices on stuff, and if you wanted something for less, you would leave you would leave your offer in a book, and then he would call the guy 
later and then let you know if that he's fine with that offer. This doubles as like a uh, serial really, killer session. Yeah, yeah it was very cloak uh, and dagger. Do, do y'all remember when we were in Montana? We went to that one place where the guy, uh, there was all those tractors and stuff out in the yard. And then we went in and the guy was making like uh, sculptures and whatnot. Then we yep. went in the back bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was all, all that, that cool stuff, yeah. So he I kept saying got, it was like the town the town committee wanted to. So I got a call from, remember I called a bunch of people, called that lady, and she said she would call so-and-so. Ends up that the guy, like two months ago, the guy finally calls me that is the mm-hmm. executor or like the head of the committee yeah. with the pricing on all of those things that we were interested in, that big scale they had a they had a full giant like auto thrasher like all yeah. made out of wood from the like the turn of the century. So I got a guy that's going. Uh, he's hauling some stuff up that way, anyways. Right now, he's going to be picking a lot of that up for me next week. No kidding! Wow, Ooh. that's yeah, so, so funny. I mean, you know, they, but they had to do a committee. They had to have a meeting, wow. you know, amongst the the committees yeah. peoples, and uh, they they uh, agreed on my price, and so we go. There you go. Yeah, I wonder if if that kind of activity continues you could almost see an issue of like price fixing or like collusion between the largest tool collectors in terms of setting a price on something i think they've already done that oh yeah but you can Andrew, see is that early. your committee you're in that committee i'm yeah, in one the of them yes for sure the anvil yeah committee. like you can you can start setting prices when you control you know like more than 50 percent of the market at least at the very least yeah, they'd be like it's the Hunt Brothers. I don't know. There's always uh, there's always someone that's bigger and better. Remember when the Hunt Brothers tried to corner the silver market? I don't know what that is. Okay, so moving right along. <laughs> um, 